This week on the I Love Funny Women podcast. It's old brats who change the world, you know? Like we come with a lot of history and we have a lot of nuance about like how to deal with, with people. We're your sisters, we're your coworkers, we're your moms, you know, we're your cousins, your we're your girlfriends, your daughters. And we're telling you that this is happening and your, your feelings are, it doesn't matter. Welcome to the I Love Funny Women podcast with your host, Dina Nina. It's called Vag Voting, Dina. <laughs> it is, it is. <laughs> that's, that's, where, that's where I get my political leanings. <laughs> it's from my nether regions. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Welcome to the I Love Funny Women podcast. I am one of your hosts, Dina Nina. I am one of your hosts, Lalita D. Hi, Lalita. Hey, Dina. How's uh, How's the Netherlands? You know, my Netherlands uh, need a little <laughs> grooming. <laughs> but the, I mean... actual, the actual Netherlands have been hot. Uh, although there's some wetness on the way in the weather forecast. <laughs> More wetness? Great. <laughs> Just what you guys need. <laughs> It hasn't rained for like seven days and everybody's like, oh my God, we're in a, in a unprecedented heat wave. And I'm like, it's, it's 72 degrees. You calm down. God, I wish that was my heat wave. I'm like having hot flashes and it's 93 degrees, you know, like, uh, and I know a lot of people in Texas and the South and California are like 93. That's like fall. <laughs> We call that winter in Portland, Oregon. Um, <laughs> the Netherlands should have like a slogan. The Netherlands, come spend your hot flashes here. Yes, yes. <laughs> menopause. We, we'll get you through menopause. <laughs> One week you're underwater, the next week you're above water and in a heat wave. Hey, we would love to hear from you. If you could go over to Instagram, post a video, and tag at I Love Funny Women with the hashtag Hey Dina. You could be on the podcast or even on our YouTube. If you're loving this podcast or even just minimally fond of it, we'd appreciate it if you share it with your friends. Because sharing is really great. It's really great. So great. <laughs> hey, this is Door Girl Greg. Thank you for listening to the I Love Funny Women podcast. If you haven't by now, you should really go to the socials and check out at I Love Funny Women on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and on YouTube. Because really, what else are you going to do? This week in the news. As the Delta variant dominates our COVID landscape, many states are reinstituting mask mandates and social distancing. Mm -hmm. Although the massive surge of new cases and hospitalizations is primarily among the unvaccinated with a few breakthrough cases, there continues to be pushback from Republican lawmakers like in Missouri, where St. Louis County is reinstituting a mandate while the Missouri Attorney General is preparing to file a lawsuit to stop it. What? Really? Like, it goes to show that Republicans do not care for those who elected them. <laughs> I feel like that Seriously. could be counterproductive. <laughs> yeah, but they don't realize, so whatever. I do, I've been wondering if United are going to do an ad and be like, stop Delta, fly United. <laughs> I, I bet they thought of it. I bet they did, and I also bet you that Spirit will beat them to the punch. It vaccinated <laughs> against Delta and fly Spirit for just $39 anywhere. Baggage fees have increased to $200 per bag. <laughs> Did you hear about the grizzly bear having the hots for the dude in Alaska? No, what? What? <laughs> this poor man, he was like a hermit type living off the grid. He was attacked by a grizzly who dragged him down to the river, but then he managed to escape. And then the bear came back every night to attack him like the man couldn't sleep or anything so then he wrote sos on the top of his shack and after a week the coast guard happened to go over and see it and they rescued him 
he had to wave at them so they knew he was serious and <laughs> apparently <laughs> apparently they realized he was in distress because he was waving with both arms and i just keep wondering what would have happened if the bear had taken his arm off and he could only wave with one arm the coast guard would have been like waving back and been like have a nice day let's go say that again the coast guard would have just waved back and been like have a nice day and he'd be like no you fuckers i only have one arm come and rescue me this grizzly is out to get me <laughs> anyway, it all worked out. He's okay now, and the grizzly is reportedly heartbroken. <laughs> I know. While COVID rages on and bears face unrequited love from their human tender matches, Mississippi is asking the Supreme Court to reverse Roe v. Wade, bringing a collective and sarcastic, we didn't see that coming from all women who value bodily autonomy. Right. We spoke to a fetus last week who told us, I'm a clump of cells, while COVID deniers scream, my body, my choice, in the most ironic twist of fate. We are not going to wear a mask, but that woman who does not want the baby has to have that baby. Help me make it make sense, Dina. <laughs> it's Republicans. It's impossible. Well, the Olympics were off to an eventful start. If it wasn't bad enough that something like 85% of Japanese people were against them being held this year to begin with, the musical director was fired because of having boasted earlier in his career about having bullied disabled people as a teenager. He also, incidentally, should have been fired for putting Imagine on the score. Truthfully, one of the worst songs to ever have been written. Don't at me. <laughs> and then, then they had to fire the director of the whole opening ceremony because some years back he joked about the Holocaust. Oh, I didn't know that Joe Rogan had been recruited by the Tokyo Olympics. <laughs> and of course, speaking of repulsive people, we can't go a single podcast without mentioning, you guessed it, Marjorie Taylor Greene. Oh, can't we like just once? I am afraid not. I mean, it's like each week she's just trying to outdick herself, you know? That, that was a visual I could have done without. Like, <laughs> I think it just put me <laughs> off my vibrator and I was in love. I know, and I was prepared to do the nuptials. <laughs> <laughs> so last week she said, if I was in charge and I had my way, I would come down on China so hard, I would kick out every single Chinese in this country that is loyal to the CCP. They would be gone. I don't care who they are. Like, she's just so gross. The way you just said I would come down on China so hard, it was a little hot, Dina, I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> and now I hot. would go down on China so hard. <laughs> and China's like, no. Listen, I had a fortune cookie the other day that read, if you are Marjorie Taylor Greene, fuck off. <laughs> so much wisdom in these little crispy wafers. <laughs> so much wisdom. <laughs> And finally, our favorite headline of the week is brought to you by the BBC. Rugby League World Cup, Australia and New Zealand decision to pull out, quote unquote, premature. <laughs> <laughs> you can't make this stuff up. For sure, the person who wrote that headline also created the character of the Duke of Hastings in Bridgerton, who, as it so happens, pulled out of season two, and many of his fans thought that was indeed <laughs> premature. <laughs> My new favorite headline is, Duke of Hastings prematurely pulls out of season two of Bridgerton. <laughs> yes. And ends up marrying Dina Nina in a surprise wedding <laughs> service on the beach. Like... <laughs> Dina has the hots for the Duke of Hastings like a grizzly bear has the hots for that dude in Alaska. Except with consent, <laughs> you know, like. Oh yeah, no, there is that. <laughs> <laughs> and that's all the time we have for the news. Hey all you funny women, it's Door Girl Craig, and I'm here to say thank you for listening to the I Love Funny Women podcast. Dina, I don't have glitter in my asshole. Only in my pockets. So last week, we had an amazing guest, Elizabeth Gomez, on the show. And we had such a good, long, and deep... Orgy? <laughs> no. 
conversation <laughs> that we wanted to make a part two. She is a comedian, a roller derby girl, and the co-host of the Wokefield podcast. Also, trigger warning, we talk about some really uncomfortable situations having to do with sexual assault. So please welcome again our guest, Elizabeth Gomez. So I am so excited to have you on the show, Elizabeth. I'm so thrilled to be here. I'm so excited. I love seeing your face. I'm really happy. I feel like when we met, there was something like very kinshipy about us. Like the two of us just like gravitated to each other. And even though we don't talk very much or see each other very often, every time I do, my soul is like filled, you know, and I love watching you online. Oh, I'm like you do. <laughs> yes. I love all my headshots. I love watching what you're doing. It makes me really happy. Thank you. I, I feel the same about you. Like I just... I just thought this this woman is rad and I really appreciate who you are and how you show up in the world. And the, I think the first time we spent like any amount of time was when I went down to Chicago when I was before I was living there and I'm not living there anymore anymore. But <laughs> <laughs> so I went down for a show at Laugh Factory and you and I went to lunch, dinner before. Mm-hmm. And I just remember like having such an interesting and delicious conversation with you yeah and and it hasn't stopped and and I think that's one of the things that I find so beautiful and incredible about the women that I have pulled been able to pull into my life like you it's how deep and how real we can be while also being intelligently humorous right I think, you know, I keep thinking about this because COVID obviously affected everybody in a certain way. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, people tend to think of me as some kind of like, I'm like a gregarious, like big personality. But a lot of that comes out of fear that of being like awkward. So like, I'm like really, I'm kind of uncomfortable. So I just start talking and then I just start asking people about themselves and I keep going on and on. But one of the things that I always hate doing is like the small talk. Yeah. Like, there's nothing that makes me crazier than have to talk about somebody where they're from and then be like, so what's the weather like there? And uh, do they do they have an olive garden there? (laughs) I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. And I think the thing with you is that when we first met, it was like we didn't have to do any of that. Mm -hmm. We just like dived in and or dove in and just started like being real people with each other. And I and I really, I also appreciate that because I don't like to do that whole song and dance of like, let's try to find something in common. Let's try to find something where we, we can kind of match so that we can like now have a friendship, you know? Um, Cause I mean, honestly, it's been a handful of times that you and I have hung out, but I think about you all the time and I love seeing you. And, and when I see you, I mean, like just in the first five seconds of like, getting onto this call we're like rape let's talk about that <laughs> I was like I was like we need to talk about this on the camera because we're getting really deep all of a sudden um, I think that's one of those things that like for me I'm so like I'm I'm not good at hiding a lot of my feelings and I'm and I'm just like I kind of am like a, a vomiter like <laughs> just like I'm like here's everything and people either can really appreciate it or really hate it. <laughs> I love it. I love Thank it. you. <laughs> um, and we got real. We get real deep when we talk. Like we get, we go deep. So we before we started. So I, we mentioned this in in the segment before about Louis C.K. coming to the comedy club in, in Madison, and it brings up a lot of feelings for me. And yeah. we were talking about how is this 2021 and this is still a thing. It is uh, so, so heartbreaking. I just, mm-hmm. I just don't like, don't know. I, I don't know how men aren't looking around and being like, maybe there's something here, mm-hmm. you know, like maybe there's something that, that, that women are telling us that's like, maybe we're not as cool as we've always thought we were. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also like, you guys, do you realize that we have porn? We've seen a lot of dicks, okay? And they're not that great. I mean, like, I like them a lot. Don't get me wrong. But it's also like, you're not doing anything that is, um, uh, 
like pushing the edge, you right. know, you're not doing anything that's like, oh my, like, look at this dick pic or like, oh my, look at him jerking off in a corner. There's like, none of that is exciting in, the t in terms of like, in this world that we have all this technology and where we openly talk about sex and we openly are sexual people. Like, I don't know exactly what it is that um, men are getting out of it. It's really hard for me oh. to understand. There's no rebranding dick. Like right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it was branded. The brand is staying. There's no new font for dick. Like it's yeah. just, no color change. It's a dick. Maybe maybe the dudes should start like just draw like maybe drawing it and mailing it to me. Maybe that might be that might be something that'd be like, like oh well, that's something new. Right. I would appreciate a lovely sketch over. <laughs> An embroidery masturbating in the green room before a show, like that's like. <laughs> I'm just imagining all these men being like, "Oh, I like, I like this idea." They're like, then, the I, "Then I'll know you have a dick and you're talented." Exactly. They're all, 2022, the new dick. Welcome <laughs> to a fresh, new, brand spanking new. Just like people are saying, they said to each other, like, uh, "Those, you remember those, like, rug, those hook rugs." Yeah. <laughs> hook rugs of, of dicks. Um, I, I am dead. I would love a hook rug dick. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's, I think need to make a hook rug dick thing. Like, I'm going to totally learn how to do that. <laughs> um, I, yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's, it's scary. I, I think it's really, really frightening, the, the ability that we can look away. Um, mm -hmm. I think this has been a, a prominent problem in America over overall like that we we see problems and we just keep being like ah, well it'll get solved by by just not doing anything about it yeah yeah um i really love this campaign that you're pushing because i do think that that's something that people um, are afraid in the world of comedy to deal with a lot of times i definitely think it is for women because mm -hmm. there is a power dynamic that this is what we're talking about you know and um i when you're talking about that that guy who was making the joke about the scarecrow, I mean, that really, I'm just like, is that really the best you can do? And you think that, again, with all the, the great comics that have come before you, that that's your best joke or that's the best joke you're going to springboard off of and, like, try to grow? It makes, it makes no sense. It makes no sense. But the guys in the open mics across this country, probably across the world, are laughing at things like that and not calling their each other out. That's what I don't understand. Like, and I posted this on my social the other day on my Instagram. And I was like, dude, guys, why are you not calling out people that do rape and rape adjacent jokes? Like, why are you not calling each other out saying, bro, that's not okay? Like, why are why are the guys not holding each other accountable? And I feel like I just am going to have to go to every open mic and start riffing on the shitty jokes that men tell every time I go. You know what I mean? I'm just yes. going to start just I feel like we should all start roasting all the guys that say very um, unacceptable jokes at, at open mics. I'm 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 just done with it. Right. And. And, you know, during when Me Too movement started, I had some things come up like we all did. I was talking about this last night and I was like, I remember posting right at the Me Too. I've never been sexually assaulted, but this, this and this happened to me and it made me very uncomfortable and blah, blah, blah. And somebody's like, girl, you were assaulted. That's sexual assault. And I'm like, what? And then. This week, when that whole thing came up, I was like, fuck, because it brought up another time that I never thought about. And it was a time when I was going to get fabric at a at in the fashion district in L.A. And the guy of, who owned the shop or worked in the shop cornered me and started touching my breasts. And I didn't even it didn't even register until yesterday, until the day before yesterday. And I can't imagine that I'm the only one that that happens to. Yeah, I think that that is, um, you're not the only one. And I'm, I'm really, I'm very, very sorry that that happened to you. I think uh, one of the things I talk to my kids about, you know, one uh, is uh, 
as a girl and then the other the other child is uh, gender non-binary but um you know she was born in a in a a, a female assigned body mm-hmm. and so one of the things that we I, I was talking to them about was that it's really sometimes hard to understand that you're being assaulted while you're being assaulted and then sometimes it's hard to like we're so embedded in patriarchal society. It's so hard Mm. sometimes to not think that maybe you did something to give someone the wrong idea when really you were just living your life. And I told them a story, like when I was, um, my first time out of the house, I moved to Philadelphia um, and it was my first year of college. And I went to work at a little like retail store in the subway system um, in in Philadelphia. They have like a big pedway and their stores and, and, you know, newsstands and stuff. We were closing the store. I was 19 and um, I'm putting like clothes up on the the rack and I feel this man like reach behind me. He's my manager. He like reaches behind me, grabs me by my waist and just pulls my whole body into him. And I was so scared. I ran out of there. I never went back, but I also called my mom and I still couldn't figure out how to have the conversation that some man that I didn't know just grabbed me from behind and pulled me. And he was like my boss. Like I didn't know how to say to her that I was violated and that this, this man had no permission to touch me. And he did touch me because all I kept thinking was that my mom was going to be mad at me. Mm. So I never said anything. And, you know, I think there, I feel like a hundred thousand things like that, that I can talk about, you know, I'm a domestic abuse survivor and rape survivor. Um, that was like, it took me almost 15 to 20 years before I told anyone about it because, you know, this is a boyfriend I had for a long time and he and I lived together for a while and then things started to turn and he just started turning. He became a different person. Um, and then it got, it, 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 t- it tipped the scale, I like tipped the scale, but um, it went to a place where it shouldn't have gone. But I also didn't tell anyone then either, because mm. how how do you tell someone that you are, you know, it felt like I was voluntarily like living with this man who was like beating the crap out of me. But it's also like a part of me felt it was my own fault in terms of the fact that I wouldn't leave. But then, you know, when you're out of it and you're in a different generation, I mean, like now it's like, you know, that was probably happening in my early 20s. Now I'm at 47. So now I have like language that I didn't have back then. Things like the fact that it wasn't that I wasn't choosing to leave. It's that I couldn't leave. That it was, um, it was fear. It was fear for my life. It was fear and it, and it was legitimate fear. And the fact that like it has taken me over 20 years to, to kind of come to terms with that tells you a lot about what we don't know as, as like young women, you know, growing up, I think now it's so much more open and it's, I have a lot of hope. I do have a lot of hope and, and seeing how women are reacting now and the things that they have to say and the, the different platforms in which women can speak out. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is still heartbreaking to see offenders get booked, be able to be at that open mic, mm-hmm. be able to like, have sold out shows at comedy clubs. Yeah. And it's like, (laughs) I believe that everyone deserves a path to redemption, but you can only get to redemption through accountability, sincere apology and get working your own, your own working through your own shit so that you can be an upstanding guy. Like, and, and I wish that Louis C.K. was doing that. Like, I don't, you know, I don't know what he's doing, but I've not seen anything that felt remorseful or like he felt like he was doing anything wrong when he took his dick out and started masturbating in front of people. Right. Sorry. Uh, so this is a lot deeper and heavier than I expected. <laughs> so I apologize. <laughs> not, not a surprise. Not a surprise with us. <laughs> right. True. I don't think you should apologize. I mean, honestly, this is stuff that people need to talk about. And I think it's really important to, to address. I mean, I think it's also, you know, I've run a couple of open mics. I've run a couple of shows, you know. Um, I've definitely been a, a person in the audience when people are making jokes that are, are about, like, raping or beating women. Um, 
I generally will say something out loud. I will heckle a person for it because I'm also like an old broad who doesn't really like, at this point, I'm either going to make it in the world funny or I'm not. And so it doesn't really matter to me, you know, yeah. but I think it's a little bit harder to ask somebody who's 21 or 22, who's still like trying to find their way in the world, who hasn't had maybe as much exposure or, you know, they fear, they have fear of being hurt by, by dudes. And, um, it's a hard sell to be like, you know, and I think that this is what, okay. So I guess this is my point. My point is, I think this is why the dudes have to speak up for us. Mm. They have to be the ones who can't hold each other accountable because women have too much. There's too many complex issues in there. Yeah. No girl is going to be like, you know, it's two o'clock in the morning. You're at an open mic. Everyone's been drinking and you start like kind of pushing back on somebody you know, it, it could go a, bad. Yeah. And, and so I think it is, to your point, super important and like almost it, it should be the standard way of behaving for men. Yeah. People ask me all the time, why do you create, why, why do women feel like they need a safe space? Why do they feel like they need women only spaces? And I'm, and I'm like, more than ever, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, it's because of this. Right. It's because you book people who are you know accused of sexual misconduct and when i who am a very old lady <laughs> am just experiencing re-experiencing traumas that i never knew i had right because this guy is booked at a comedy club when i who feel like I've, I'm pretty resilient for everything. When I am experiencing these things that come up because you book somebody at the comedy club or at a club or on a show, then I am not the only one who's going to experience that. Right. Um, and we need safe spaces because there are so many terrible, bad actors not bad actors, predators. Yeah, that we keep in circulation. That we keep in circulation. And it, it doesn't, like, it, it, it feels maddening. It feels like, you know, I always feel this way, especially, again, as, like, somebody who, my, you know, my ex-boyfriend um, was, was you know, his the sexual assault, or well, let me let's call it what it was, like was multiple rapes with me. And um, not with me, against me. Yeah. Um, but like every time I see someone who is like being released for treating women that way, it is constantly like, a, like just traumatizing again and again and again. And I very much like was like you, I didn't talk about it. I didn't really recognize it. I didn't, I just thought it was like, I lived in this world where this thing happened to me and, you know, to, to a big degree, I thought it was my fault. And actually um, what, what brought it to the surface and what like really uh, made me come out about it uh, was the fact that, I don't know if you remember this, but I feel like it was 2011, there was the election and um, there was this whole thing about legitimate rape. Do you remember that? Um, so, I... Um, specifically no but <laughs> well some politician was talking about how like you didn't need to we, they, we didn't need to have abortion laws because if it was like legitimate rape your body would have automatically abort the baby oh, yeah. <laughs> so it was so crazy right i was like this is insane i wish my vagina would abort things i don't want in there <laughs> like there would have been so many dudes ejected from my vagina <laughs> like, what are you talking about I would love to flush half of those guys down the toilet, you know, Please, like, yes, <laughs> yes. Um, so I was on the CTA, I was like riding the train and, um, I just kept hearing that phrase for that whole week, just over, that was like, cause the news media, the media is always like, they love to like, just repeat, 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 repeat. And, um, I burst into tears because, uh, you know, when I was with this, this guy, after we broke up, he stopped me. And um, I, at one point was like, maybe the only way to get him off my back is to like, you know, try to try to like have, have relations with him again. And then maybe he'd be like, you know, this wasn't what I remembered it to be and it'll be over. And then instead I got knocked up. 
um, and had an abortion. And so hearing that over and over again, I was like, oh shit, I forgot. Not, I forgot that like I had repressed the memory so deeply that I just like couldn't, I couldn't face it. I couldn't be honest about it. I couldn't tell anyone. Um, and I let it just sit in my stomach and in my heart for so long. And then when I was hearing this phrase, I couldn't, I couldn't deny it anymore. I couldn't keep pushing it away because every day I was reminded every day it kept coming up and it was like both words, right? Abortion and rape. And it just like wouldn't stop and it wouldn't stop hurting me. And, um, I had to get off the train. I started hyperventilating and crying and, um, I had to come home and, and tell my family. <laughs> and it was, it was really scary because I remember thinking that, um, you know, I was like this big roller derby girl here because I started the roller derby here in Chicago uh, for for women. And um, that I had so many friends who thought that I was so big and so bold and they'd all just call me badass. And then to turn around and be like, this happened to me and I've hit it for a long time. And it happened to somebody that I lived with and was my partner and somebody that I loved. And I didn't walk away, that it took so much time to walk away from it. Um, I really honestly thought that like everyone would just call me a liar and that they would all abandon me and not want to be my friend anymore. And it was the wildest thing. I don't know where I came up with that idea. I don't feel that way with the victims. I don't, I don't, I've never seen anyone uh, be that way with anyone who came out with stories like that. But I, I I just felt so crushed under that truth. And then when I did tell, it was amazing. You know, everyone came out, supported me, told me great stories about like, you know, um, how I helped them and how I, you know, how they just needed to know that someone else was out there like that. Um, I had a ex-boyfriend of a girlfriend of mine who was like Elizabeth, because I wrote it, I wrote the story out in a blog and, uh, I posted it on Facebook and then I left town because I was like, I don't want to see anyone. But he wrote to me and he was like, my my uncle uh, molested me all through my childhood and you're the first person I'm telling because your story touched me so much. And I just decided at that point that this is not, I'm not going to do it anymore. I'm not going to listen to men be idiots and I'm not going to watch men be stupid. And, you know, I've been a bartender. I've seen how men behave after a few drinks and I'm, more than happy a million times over to be like, you need to knock it the fuck off. Excuse my French. Sorry, can I say fuck? Yeah, <laughs> um, <laughs> I just had to. All you want. <laughs> I just had to be, and I think that that is like now at this age, I think when people see me, they see me as like so confident and so um, bold. These stories are not unique. They're not, they're not, I don't know, like words are really hard right now, obviously, but like, <laughs> they're not unique. They're not new. They're not different than 81% of women in the U.S. Right. And it, it and it's, it is, um, it is phenomenal to me. Like women are, we're, we're, we're over half the population. Mm -hmm. We're your sisters, we're your coworkers, we're your moms. You know, we're your cousins, your we're your girlfriends, your daughters, and we're telling you that this is happening and your, your feelings are, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Your feelings are like, well, you know, these women were drugged and raped and oh well. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's a fight we're fighting. I will say though, I do think that it's changing and I, and I'm, I'm excited about that. Yeah. It's not perfect for sure. Yeah, but I, I definitely, like I said, the fact that people are talking about it, the fact that we is, it's like way, way more than it was when I was a kid. Yeah. And now I'm like, just fucking tired of not talking about it anymore. And I'm ready to stir some shit up. <laughs> I like I was I did an interview and it was really kind of apologetic. And I was like, why am I apologizing? I don't work in the traditional club system anyway. They are not, they don't book me around the country because they don't know where to put a translated comic usually. Right. So what am I afraid of? 
And I just was like, I'm done. I'm done pretending that it's going to affect my career if I talk about this shit. If I start calling out bad actors, if I start uh, stirring up shit, it doesn't affect my career at all. Right. So I am mad as hell. (laughs) I'm probably going to die in a couple of years. So let's just make the last few... I mean, I'm telling you, it's it's old broads who change the world, you know, like we come with a lot of history and we have a lot of nuance about like how to deal with with people, you know, and um, I, do, I do think that like pistol pistol like pistol packing mamas like us, we can we can help where we can. Um, I just don't. I don't know. I do. I, I will say I am always disappointed. Yeah. When I see that, like, a Bill Cosby can get out of jail or that, you know. And that um, Britney Spears can't be trusted to take care of her own life and career. Like, Yes, yes. All of those things. Um, and And what I don't understand is, how are these men still working? How are these clubs making a conscious decision to book these men? Right. There are women who are in your clubs, who work in your clubs, who come to your clubs. And sometimes the booker is a woman booking these people. I, I, mean, I, just... I was going to say, I had a female booker. I remember when I started doing this, I had a female booker where like you could go and talk to her um, after your set to like find out, think, like I get tips. And uh, I remember all these dudes ahead of me and she was just kind of like, you should do this, you should do that. And when she saw me, she was like, you could clean up your look. <laughs> I was like, wow, what should I just wear a bra on stage? <laughs> like, wow. what, kind of, like, what, kind of, what kind of response is that? Because I do think sometimes, because we're so deeply embedded in the patriarchy, sometimes women have, a, we struggle to support each other. Yeah. You know, and that's tough. That's a tough one. That is a tough one. And it's, and it's easy to fall prey to that. Right. I like that you said we are deeply embedded <clears throat> in patriarchy. Good word. <laughs> I also was going to say, you know, as a, as a trans woman, I think that this is a big issue for you. I think it's a fucking huge. You know, we, we can't deny that there hasn't been sexual violence against people who are trans. And we can't like ignore that either, you know, or like people's reactions to it. And it's, it is like where and, one predator is, and maybe, you know, we're, we're talking a lot about like just kind of uh, cis women, but like, it doesn't, it still translates that kind of, that kind yeah. of like machoism, that kind of like um, boldness to, to feel that, that women are property in any way or objects is also like affects everyone everyone around us. Yeah. And, and especially trans women. Yeah. And and I I am deeply aware of those layers too and I'm and I think that this week was like the past couple of days of really mulling over it and being like there is the the feeling that when I was transitioning and granted I transitioned prior to the explosion of visibility on in the media. So when I transitioned, I, we were relegated to those, the black market, the underground, the underground economy. We were, we were, we were still being prostitutes and murdered on law and order and CSI every five minutes, you know? Um, and so I, I realized that because there is a feeling that trans people are betraying their gender by transitioning, that there's an added layer of, of feeling like cis people have ownership over our bodies. And because we're like women are overly sexualized, but trans women are massively over sexualized. Yes. And 
like I just I kind of remember think not thinking but like feeling like oh this is just something that's gonna happen to me and I think we all as women and oh goodness it's okay this should hurt this should hurt because it does hurt you know, I was talking to my therapist about um, my my trauma, and she said to me, "Well, maybe one day, you know, it won't make you cry." And I said, "I hope that day never comes. I hope it always makes me cry. I hope it always hurts my heart, because I don't ever want to lose touch with that, you know. And that shouldn't be a thing that happens to you. That shouldn't. Be, you should grow up and feel safe in this world. You should grow up and feel like." You can just live your life as who you are. And to grow up thinking that this is something that's going to just happen. To be prepared, to prepare when you're a teenager that one day you will be assaulted. For me to teach that to my children, my, one, of, one of my children being trans, like, it's like, you know, this is, this is not great information to pass on to young people and to be people our age being like looking back and being like, well, all this time I've low key have had this stress and this idea that one day someone would hurt me. <laughs> That's so right. Up. <laughs> yeah. Um, thank you. I did not expect this to be as, <laughs> um, I guess it has to be said. Yeah. And we're in it together, girl. You know? We are. We carry this burden and it is hard and it is heavy. And we and get a fucking cry. And this <laughs> is what booking men who are who are um, accused of sexual assault does. It's not direct, it's indirect, but it affects so many more people than you realize when you book somebody like that. Okay. It brings up things for people that, like, I'm just so mad that that they would do that and not take into consideration the collateral damage and the uh, re-traumatization of victims, or survivors, rather, um, in our community, right. we're such a we're such a um, liberal, diverse town, right? But there are still people that are booking people that traumatize and re-traumatize and cause collateral collateral damage. And I'm I'm ready to stir some shit up because I'm not <laughs> I'm not even excited about living in a world where this is a normal thing and that is not to diminish the fact that men also face you know sexual assaults and traumas okay. i don't want to at all like undervalue that but knowing that the vast majority of 81 percent of women and i would love to know the statistics on trans women I mean, I definitely like, so I just watched the uh, Anthony Bourdain documentary, yeah. which is really just talking. I keep thinking about this too, because, you know, I'm obviously closer to death than I am to like really beginning my life. <laughs> and so, um, you know, I think a lot, right. ref <laughs> I think a lot in reflection of um, kind of like purpose and like, what is this life? And sometimes like this ennui that I usually feel about like, what, you know, where am I going? Instead of being like in this place of like, this is where I am, this is what I have. Um, anyways, in the, the Bourdain documentary, you know, they talk about uh, Asha, uh, Asha, is that how you pronounce name? Argentano, the, the woman he was dating right before um, he killed himself. And she had been accused of uh, being 37 and um, sleeping with a 17-year-old boy mm. who sued her for it. So when you're talking about young men, it's just, I, I feel the same way. If, if, if a woman that I knew 
had had settled out of court for for sleeping with a minor i i'm not for it <laughs> i don't care yeah. i don't care what the gender is i don't care mm-hmm. if you are someone who sexually assaults a child or sexually assaults an, any other human i i I wouldn't, I wouldn't support that either. So, I mean, I do think it's important to to acknowledge that it it happens to men. I just think it's also, you know, what we're saying isn't that you have to not book men who assault. We're saying don't book people who are shitty people. Yeah. They don't deserve rewards for being crappy Mm -hmm. and terrible humans. Exactly. And we're not talking about just like someone who has like a fit over like whether there's brown M&Ms in his house, in his green room. You know, we're talking about people who physically hurt other people. Yeah. I don't know. I'm glad we solved the problem today, though. I am too. (laughs) (laughs) This is uh, quite a departure from... The usual ten, uh, timber of the podcast. So, <laughs> I mean, you know what, Dina? Some days this is what it is. Yeah. And we have to embrace it. We have to grieve as a, as a community. We have to. I don't. I think that if we don't, if we keep trying to hide these feelings, or if we keep trying to like just keep a good face on, um, it really, really diminishes the effect of what's happened to us. You know, it's not that Louis C.K. It's not just like Louis C.K. is getting booked and that's that's unfair and that's not cool. Right. I think people like you and I also reflect on that. So we're like, well, why is this making me so crazy? Why does this make me so angry? Mm-hmm. And to put it simply, it's just not right. Yeah. It's not the right thing to do. Yeah. You know? Right. And and like, if somebody masturbated in the green room or in the break room of your corporate job, they would never be allowed into any of their buildings ever again. And comedy is not a corporation. It is multiple institutions across this country, across this world that book comedy bookers. Right. So how do we find a that, that book comedians? How do we find a way to have all the clubs have a fucking HR meeting and say, this is where we draw the line. Like, we're still not going to book women. <laughs> but where do you draw the line? And and like I said, if he would have apologized and been like, you know, I'm going to therapy. I realized that I really fucked up. I bought into the patriarchal you know, diatribe for so many years. I didn't even know it because I understand not knowing it. Like I understand not knowing it because you're told that it's okay because that's the way we grew up and looking at reruns of, you know, fucking three's company and, uh, you know, everything from the seventies and eighties, I'm like, holy shit. That is every Van Halen video you've ever seen. And that is how we grew up. We were conditioned by the patriarchy. We were conditioned. And so, but where do you draw the line? How do you say, I'm not going to book somebody who took their dick out on a club premises? Well, not only that, but he also did it in front of another comedian. Yeah. Right? So it's like now you have like a couple of things to deal with. And I think, you know, it's it's hard because... I do believe in the idea of, I'm with you. Like I believe in the idea of redemption and, but I also believe in the idea of consequence. Yes. So if you do stupid shit, you're going to have to deal with the consequences. This is what I tell my kids all the time. You know, this is how I feel about myself, you know? And um, I feel like this might be a little bit more, this might be a harder decision, if there wasn't a pool of a million other people who are just as talented, mm-hmm. you know, it's, yeah. it's not people there are, it's not that people aren't talented. It's not that there's not enough talent out there. You know, there are not maybe people who can make the connections, you know, yeah. or that, that, that they are, they're not people who have the right um, look or color skin or whatever. There is a pool of great comedians there is right. a big, big pool of people you can pull from. So he doesn't have to be the only one. 
but they booked him on nights that they were usually closed. That's so wild. It's so wild. And I'm a big fan. Have you been? I, I'm a big fan of TikTok, so I'm always on TikTok. Yes. Um, but every time I'm watching, I'm like, these people are hilarious. They're right here in my yeah. pocket. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, right there in my pocket. <laughs> right. And like, I just don't like. Why do I have to give Louis C.K. my money? He's not the only funny person on the planet. But there is some, but there is some group that is obviously paying for it. There are some people who just like don't feel like they, they're that it affects them. The venue sold out for three days in a row. Like, yeah. why? Why? Right. So the comedy club did it. They're getting money. Louis C.K. is coming to town. But you've, you've. Hmm. I know. But like, I, I also... just am so mad about it that. I can't understand how the the irresponsibleness, the irresponsibility, whatever you call it, to do that. I, I, mm. And, of course, it's not the only venue that's done this right. with him specifically. Right. And we'll continue to book him. Yep. I'm just so grateful that one of the other major venues here denied him. Yeah. I mean, I think this is also why it's really important for to getting like people of color and, you know, women into these positions. Because I, I see it in open mics too. I see the seeds. You see the seeds yeah. in, in open mics where like a guy's making a joke about fucking a scarecrow because, you know, they won't say no. And yeah. then like what happens is people are like, oh, it's just a joke. Yeah. It's just a joke. But the thing about words are that they're powerful. The reason that people loved Louis C.K., you know, was that he would say things that had some punch to it. It wasn't just that he made a joke about fucking a scarecrow. There was a whole thing about it behind his what he said. You know, there was some yeah. thought, there's yeah. some feeling. There was a purpose he was getting to. Things that change people's ideas. Things yeah. that change and give you a different perspective. That is why we like comics. That's why we like George Carlin. That's like why we loved Chris Rock. Like these are people that that help us like re-examine what our lives about. Mm. And it's not a joke. It's not just a joke because that's what happens when you become good at what your craft is. You get a platform. You get to spell up, like um, spill out your ideas, and then everyone gets to hear them and reevaluate who they think they are, reevaluate their perspective, and that's the power of being able to have a platform like that. So I don't know. It's like I get it. I know that they don't necessarily mean or intend to harm anybody by making these jokes, but when you keep re, when you keep um, going back and like pushing those ideas and pushing those ideas, then it, it's not it's not so funny, yeah. especially if there's not a reason for it. Thank you so much for joining us again this week and for listening to the I Love Funny Women podcast. You can find us on all social media at I Love Funny Women and we're on YouTube as well. And this podcast was written by me. And me. And you can find me on all the socials at DinaNinaXO. And I am Lalita D Comedy. That's D-double-E, Lalita D Comedy. Follow me on Instagram. I'm posting funny stuff from the Netherlands. And find our guest, Elizabeth Gomez, at Wanna Rumble. Find Door Girl Greg on Instagram at GT Potter. And of course, our amazing announcer, Krista Garner, can be found on Instagram at Krista Garner. This is an Artemis Glow studio production in association with Crossover Media and AMG. Have, Have a great, great week. week.